And once I was able to see myself for the truth and for how God sees me, the enemy has no power over that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you just can't overcome God's truth. So that's really, you know, my goal in my ministry. And, and you were just talking about it a little bit, but in, in John 8, 32, where it says that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Yep. Right. Um, and that's, that's really what I want for people is to be free from, from the lies and the condemnation of this world. And um, there's a lot of it. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only with their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Emily Bernath, a rape survivor, sexual assault victim advocate, author, and speaker. Her first book, Broken Lenses, Identifying Your Truths in a World of Lies, came out in 2019, and she just released her newest book, Broken Lenses, Volume 2, Seeing Others' Value in a World of Division. Bernath completed a 40-hour sexual assault counselor training course provided by UCASA. She serves as an active board member with a nonprofit, Reveal to Heal International. She offers support, counseling, and advocacy for sexual assault victims and has participated in and spoken at numerous events and fundraisers in support of victims with the Rape Recovery Center and the Walk of No Shame. She is an incredibly strong woman. She's so wise, and I loved having this conversation. This is something that we haven't really tackled here on the podcast. And so this week's episode is a little bit heavier, but is such a topic that I really believe that more of us need to be talking about raising awareness of and equipping ourselves to help those in our communities who have been the victims of sexual assault and rape. I am so grateful for Emily coming on the show to tell her story and to advocate for these incredible people. But before I get to my conversation with Emily, I want to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. As you know, I am a huge fan of Mama Suds. The head mama, Michelle Smith at Mama Suds, she is a literal genius and she creates incredible home products, cleaning products that are all plant-based and effective. They work. For example, her latest extra strength oxygen powder is incredible. It is the bleach alternative that actually works. Okay. I've been using it for months and months and months now, and it is one of my favorite things to use as a laundry booster, a stain remover, and it is a great scouring agent on any non-porous surface. So it is multitasking and it is absolutely incredible. So head on over to mamasuds.com and use the coupon code Molly, and that will get you 15% off. Now on to my conversation with Emily. Emily, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I am really, really excited to talk with you today and to dive into this subject that I think is so important um, and something that I um, definitely have a passion for talking about. And, you know, I was thinking about it. Um, You know, you are here we are episode 266 uh, for you. And I realized that in 266 episodes, 
this is not a subject I've really talked about um, or really interviewed anybody about. And so that's one of the things that I just, I really wanted to have you on the show. So, but before we get kind of into everything with your book and your story and all those things, let's get to know you. So Emily, give us the Emily 101. Tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, well, now I'm an author, but um, I would you know, being an author was never anything I dreamed for my life. That was definitely something God placed on my path. Um, I actually went to school and got a degree in chemistry. <laughs> You're going to be like um, a, like a pharmacist or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. Chemistry was the one class in high school that actually made me like have to study. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like the challenge. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that, that was one thing that, and I really love math. So yeah. um, and so my first love being an author, like obviously is like the next logical yeah. step. So <laughs> um, I hated books growing up, actually. Um, I was told at a pretty young age that, you know, I, I was bad at reading um, and it made me have quite the, you know, hatred towards books. Mm. And, it you know, it made me feel insufficient and in all these things. Yeah. Um, and so I just kind of stayed away from it. But that's not how God sees me or, you know, my story. And so um, I fully believe that God is a God who redeems. And yeah, I'm grateful for all the opportunities I've been given through my writing. Yeah. Yeah. So you are an author where, you know, where did you grow up? What, you know, you studied chemistry, what led you kind of to where you are now? Yeah, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. Go Buckeyes. <laughs> um, and uh, so I stayed in Ohio for my undergrad. And um, when you study chemistry, pretty much nobody stops at a bachelor's degree. Most people get a PhD. I realized that I was too much of an extrovert to want to sit in a chemistry lab my whole life. Um, and so I took grad school as an opportunity to explore something new um, and got a master's degree in business instead. And so I use that time of my life to really um, take advantage of exploring a new place in the country. And I was figured, you know, I can go anywhere I want for school. And if I hate it after two years, I can leave. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I actually did a Google search for the top 20 cities for people in their 20s and just started applying to schools <laughs> in those cities <laughs> um, and, and wound up in Salt Lake City. And it's been seven years on August 1st will be seven years and I'm still here. So that's how I ended up here. And I love it. It's great. You know, I love that you Google searched where you were going to, you're like, you know what? I don't know where I want to go. I'm going to Google it. We're just going to see. Yeah. We're just going to see. Well, you know, it's like I was 23 when I moved out here. I was like, I don't know where I want to move, but I at least want some like opportunity or like a scene for people my age there. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> as we, as you've kind of shared a little bit and as we've alluded to, uh, you know, you went to school for chemistry, <laughs> studied business, um, and now you're an author and a speaker. But and and the things that you write about and speak about now were certainly not on your radar at the moment. And so um, I would love for you to just kind of share a little bit of your story as and what led you to um, to becoming an author and, and what it is that you speak about. Yeah, so I would say I kind of grew up in church, but um, it never really had like a deeper meaning to me. And so when I went off to college, I kind of set that part of my life aside and lived the typical college party life for a couple of years, thought I was doing everything right, you know, <laughs> um, or so the media portrays college, right? I was living that life pretty well. And that kind of just all came crashing down uh, towards the end of my 
uh, second year when I was raped. And it was kind of a wake up call moment for me. And I hadn't been pursuing a relationship with God, but really I was in a place where I had nowhere to go and I had no one to talk to. And so I turned to God and I said, what the heck? Right. Yeah. And I was, I was angry and, um, it, you know, through that experience, uh, you really learn, you know, who's on your side and, you know, who's there to talk to. And yeah, I had quite the wake up call with, you know, uh, relationships and, and whatnot. And yeah, it was a few months after that had happened that a, a woman in one of my classes asked me if I wanted to join a Bible study or that she was a part of and really was kind of at a place in my life where I had nothing to lose. Mm. And so I went and it was through that experience. And, you know, I wanted this, you know, I wanted a woman that I felt like I could confide to and talk with this experience about. And I really yeah. didn't have that at, at that time in my life because I didn't value those kinds of relationships beforehand which was also another wake up call, right? Like, (laughs) what are you spending your time in and investing in through that and through gaining a community, a healthier community that saw me for who I was and loved me as Emily and, and didn't judge me and see me as, you know, this worthless, disgusting person that I saw myself as Mm. um, it was powerful. And, you know, it made Matt, my commitment to myself was that I was going to be that person for other women um, that they were for me. And that's, where the desire came from, I didn't know it was going to turn out into writing books, but, um, you know, I had, I like leading groups and I wanted to lead a woman's small group. And one day got the opportunity presented to me. They're like, Emily, why don't you dream up what this group looks like? Um, and I was sitting in the middle of the coffee shop, talking to a couple of women one day, and all of a sudden I heard it and it was like, you need to write. Um, cause I kind of knew the message that I wanted to say in this you know, whatever group it was. And uh, if I wanted to actually say it, then I had to start writing it. So yeah, writing really came through my passion of of women's ministry. Um, And that passion for women's ministry came from being a survivor of assault, um, because I saw the power that having that community had on me, Mm. um, and really wanting to give back to other people. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I think that this is a topic that we don't, you know, I think in the last few years, there have obviously been influxes of conversations around this topic. But um, I don't know what the the most up to date statistic is. But it was something, uh, I think it's something around and you probably know better than I do that, you know, it's like what one in three women have been assaulted? Um, or is it half? I mean, it's like, a- yeah, I think the most common statistic is is one in four. But yeah, a lot of it is unspoken, right? Oh, um, absolutely. And so the reality is probably greater than that, right? But right. And it's um, it's the kind of thing where, you know, when you and others like you begin to share pieces of your story and begin to allow a safe place for other women to share their stories, uh, just the impact that that can have because it gives other women the opportunity to to stand up and say, hey, yeah, like this happened. I mean, we saw it with the Me Too movement. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. Like it it was all of a sudden it gives it gives women permission and it begins to break down. And we know, you know, you and I both know from uh, you know, kind of coming from a faith perspective that the enemy wants to use those those stories um to hold us captive. Um yes. and 
when we can talk about them, when we can talk about hard things, when we can talk about stories of assault and abuse, the enemy no longer has hold over us over those things. And um, I know that that's one of the things that you have really been intentional about is talking about how, you know, you found a way to heal and recover um, through faith and through sharing your story, um, you know, after being assaulted in college. And so I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit about that journey for you. And I, I know that you shared that a lot of it was walking in community with other women who kind of held the door open for you, so to speak. Um, but kind of, I'd love for you to kind of share what was going on internally for you as you were kind of on this journey of healing and recovering from this, um, and refusing to let the enemy tell you that you were, you know, all those lies about you. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the biggest things I believed about myself after it happened was that my body had been like tainted, that I wasn't, that my val part of my value had been taken from me because, because of what had happened. Um, and the enemy loves it when we believe stuff like that. Right. right? So you're talking about that when, while you're speaking, one of the things I was thinking about in a yardstick I used to kind of measure where is this message coming from in my own life is in John 10, 10, which says the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. Um, so anything, any voice that's speaking to me, that's trying to steal, kill or destroy anything in my life is not from God. And then you just finish out that verse and you say that he has come. (laughs) I have come to bring life (laughs) and have it more abundantly. And so, yes, yes, yes. Take those lies and replace them with truth. Yes. Sorry. Continue. (laughs) Exactly. But I mean, it's not to, uh, I don't know, diminish the fact that that is the the reality for a lot of survivors. And that is genuinely how they feel that mm-hmm. they are worthless, that they, you know, have been taken advantage of, and they're not the same person that they were. Um, and that can't be farther from the truth, right? Like God created us in his image, our value is irreplaceable to him. And no, no human is powerful enough to take that away from us. But it took me years to get to a place where I believe that. And really, there was a verse, I was in a service one night, this was a couple of years after it happened, but they were quoting 1 Corinthians 6, where it says, you know, your body is a temple, honor God with your body. And I was like, my body is crap, you know, like, I don't believe that. But if God sees my body like that, like, I want to know how to see it in the same way. Mm. Um, So I guess I kind of took it like a prove it aspect to to God, like, show me, like, prove it to me that this is really how you see me. Yeah. And once I was able to see myself for the truth and for how God sees me, the enemy has no power over that, right? Mm. Um, You just can't overcome God's truth. So that's really, you know, my goal and my ministry. And, and you were just talking about it a little bit, but in, in John eight thirty two, where it says that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Yep. Right. Um, and that's, that's really what I want for people is to be free from, from the lies and the condemnation of this world. And, um, there's a lot of it. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. We're riddled uh, with it. Yeah. So that, you know, is, what all of my books are based off of every chapter in them is on a different truth. And book one is more self-truth. Who is, who am I? I am beautiful. I am capable. I am smart. And broken lenses volume two is more outward facing. How do I interact with those around me? How does God see others? You know, he sees them as worthy as, you know, accepted as belonging. Like how do I just see others with this inherent value of belonging that Mm. it's not my place to say where you do and don't belong. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, 
yeah, I just, it blows my mind because we all want these things, right? We all want to be accepted. We all want to be treated with respect. We all want to belong somewhere, right? Have this greater sense of I, I have a place, right? right. And yet we just don't show it. <laughs> I don't, it, yeah. There's just a disconnect there that I hope through the second book, it, it, it addresses some of that. Um, well, I'd love to dive into that a little bit because uh, this is, you know, something that I think is just very relevant right now. Obviously, you wrote a book on it. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just, you know, especially when we are, when we have, all, like all of us, I was actually having a conversation with somebody about this yesterday. It's like, we, yes, we are all unique. God created us and and knit us together in our mother's wombs uh, in, in a unique and intricate way. But we are also, all of us, not actually that unique. We all have struggles. We all bring crap to the table. We all have these things in our lives that we see, you know, that affect the way we see the world and the way that we interact with people. You know, we all want to feel like we belong. We all want to feel like we fit in. I mean, there's just, there are innate things within us that you know, make us not all that unique. Like we just all have these things. And, you know, and so when we have experienced trauma, when we have experienced our own, you know, differing walks of suffering and pain and um, joy and successes and all those things, you know what I mean? We're just when we, that then affects how we view others. It affects how we interact with others. And so I know that that's a lot of what, you know, kind of motivated you to write this second book, um, Broken Lenses 2, Seeing Others Value in a World of Division. And so kind of walk us through that journey. What was it in your own journey that then led you to say like, you know what, I think that this is something that is a pain point right now for people. You know, I guess for me that people treating me in the the ways that are spoken of in the second book is why I'm a follower of Christ. Like to this day, like you people, you can't necessarily, I couldn't explain it at the time, but I just knew that those people saw me differently than I saw myself. Like I, I was pretty open about what had happened to me very early on. And I know a lot of survivors aren't and for, you know, their own good reasons. Right. I just, I inherently knew what had happened to me wasn't my fault. And I was dying for someone to believe me. Right. And that like was the very first step. Right. And it's the first step in a relationship with God, too. He just wants us to believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that he is who he says he is. And once we place that belief in him, he is able to work in our lives. Right. So um, that in itself was powerful. Um, and I didn't know how to believe originally, but through enough, you know, love and care and like, I don't know, spending time with God, like, he can transform us, right? Um, it's him that does the work in us, not us doing the work ourselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the really my heart behind the second book is that when we see others as God sees them, it unites us. And when we see others, the way the world tells us to, it divides us. Mm. And, and really that power of unity and division is in our hands and we see it in the world everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like we see the division. I don't have to explain that to you where it is, right? It's right. every day in the news, but you know, that's not what we were made for, right? It's one of the first truths spoken in the Bible. We're not made to be alone. So yeah, how do we overcome those, uh, you know, messages of the world and 
you know, work to be a people who are united. Mm. What have been some of the things that you've practically, uh, you know, kind of instituted in your own life, so to speak, and, you know, kind of walk us through what, what are the things like if somebody's really struggling with this, because I know that there are people listening right now who are, and who, I mean, let's be honest, let's just, what, I guess, what's the phrase, like, call a spade a spade, like, I mean, it's like, you turn on social media, you turn on the news, and it's like, vaccinated, unvaccinated, masks, no masks, (laughs) race relations, the church, uh, you know, here's, like, let's throw out every possible hot topic ever, and like, let's just argue till we're blue in the face, and let's, you know, just try to make our point, and all these things, it just, it can be really stressful. And so it can, we can harden our hearts toward people who maybe believe differently than us, think differently than us, look differently than us, um, have a different, you know, faith background, whatever. We start to harden our hearts and it gets to the point where all of a sudden we, we've closed ourselves off to other people, other people who maybe, you know, we might not agree with. And, um, so talk to us about like, what, what did you do in your own life and what are sort of your, a a few of your, I guess, words of wisdom, (laughs) pieces of advice uh, for people who might be struggling with that. I think a big one is just like, seek to understand. I don't know, like people, when they share such polarized opinions and they're just convinced that there's one right way, they close their self off to a lot of like being able to listen. Yeah. And uh, that's what a lot, a lot of survivors want. They want to be listened to. And um, you, you can't do that if you're already, you think you understand what they've gone through or what they need or, yeah, you know, in a verse I was just reading earlier today in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, lean not on your, on your own understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in, you know, God is the one who makes our paths straight, not ourselves. So I think we just get too caught up in, in feeling like we know what we're supposed to do when really it's like God's thoughts and his ways are so much higher than ours. And we really just won't ever fully understand it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, be willing to just be willing to receive those around you and seek to understand not, yeah, not to be understood sort of thing. I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Emily to thank our other partner of the show, and that is Demet. And I love Demet so much that I actually have the founder, Julie Billingham, here with me to share a little bit more about why this ethical brand is so incredible. Julie? Oh, Molly, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to partner with you and to be a part of this community that you've built. I mean, Demet is a sustainable footwear and fashion brand, and we have the steadfast commitment to creating authentic fashion and fashion accessories. And it's really our great honor to produce things that matter. And our Haitian craftsmen and women really take such pride in each handbag we make, each pair of sandals that we assemble. And um, we just love what we do so much. And we are, we're proud to craft, you know? And, And so thanks for having us. Absolutely. And for those of you who want to check out Demet, you can do so online at D-E-U-X-M-A-I-N-S dot com. And you can use the promo code Molly and that will get you 15% off your purchase. Now back to our show. You also raised uh, a really important point as just as a survivor of sexual assault and how after your experience, how you really, and you talked about this a little bit at the beginning too, is just 
how you, you learned very quickly, like who you could trust and who you couldn't and who was on your side yeah. and who, who wasn't. And, and that a survivor, like they need to be listened to, they need to be believed. And can you talk a, a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah. And I was actually, you know, spoke a few weeks ago at a conference about this, of like finding a place for faith in our, our advocacy work, because really abuse of any kind absolutely has a spiritual impact on, on a survivor. Um, and it, it's just not talked about enough, yeah. but really at its core, the word faith means complete trust. And a lot of times um, abuse comes from people that we trusted, like 85 to 90% of survivors, I think is the number, like were abused by someone that they trusted. And that really just puts you in a place of like, I don't know who to trust. I don't know what to have faith in. And we project that on God too. I mean, for rightfully so, right? It's like, I don't know what, what is true anymore, right? Yeah. But, you know, we can rest in the fact that God is who he says he is. He's, uh, you know, he loves us unconditionally. He is someone he can, we can trust and he's for our good. And yeah, so yeah, that's just something I'm, I'm pretty passionate about is because I think if you don't address that spiritual impact of, of abuse, like, you, I don't know if you can fully heal from what happened to you. Like if you're just ignoring it, right. That's not how we heal. <laughs> um, so, you know, for me, it was being able to, to see myself and my body in the way that God saw it again, in a light of truth and not a light of condemnation from the world of like, you know, you don't deserve a good relationship again. And, you know, you, who's going to want you sort of thing, all that BS, right? It's yeah. just, but that's, it's everywhere in our world. And it just makes me sick. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I could not agree more when you were talking about so often we, when we experience abuse or if, if we've experienced trauma, a lot of times, you know, our bodies naturally go into the like, you know, fight or flight. And right. many times to cope, our bodies will like, it's almost like we shut down emotionally. And we're just like, we're going to just pretend like this didn't happen. And I'm going to uh-huh. just set this aside and I'm just going to move on and I'm not going to deal with it. And it's going to be fine. And everything is going to be fine. And I'm fine. And everything's fine. And we're, we're all fine. Okay. All of us are fine. Yep. Um, and, uh, but eventually guess what? Eventually it has to be uncovered. And I kind of liken it like the, the analogy that has, uh, been top of mind for me recently was um so we just moved uh this year to a farm and we bought this house and um the house was built in the late 80s and a lot of the things that we so we renovated the kitchen and we kind of did like a full gut job of of things and you know tore everything out we're we're placing parts of the floor but we quickly began to realize that a lot of the things that had been done to the house over the years were very cosmetic and they were not updating and taking care of the like things that aren't pretty <laughs> but <laughs> need to function properly to live in a house safely so like things like the entire HVAC system had never been upgraded in 30 plus years and so it was yeah. <laughs> there was mold in it and so we had to rip all of that out and replace it 
there was uh, like subflooring that clearly had gotten wet at some point, And then there was mold growing. So guess what? We had to cut all that out and replace it. The water treatments were on a septic and a well. The water treatment system had never been updated. So everything had to be replaced because there was the water was contaminated. I mean, like name it and we've had to fix it or replace it. But it was like over the years, they had just been like, we'll deal with that at a later date. We'll deal with that at a later date. We're just going to put this cosmetic update and we're going to make it look really nice. But the interior of it is going to be completely falling apart. And guess what? (laughs) Then here we were in the year 2021. And we had to put like, I don't even want to say like the number of how expensive it was of all the, you know, repairs that we had to do on the house that like, you can't see, you can't see these repairs. But, you know, it's almost like that in our body is like, sometimes we just like, cosmetically try to cover like, oh, well, we're going to get our hair done. We're going to look nice. We're going to have a great job and a great car. We're going to drive a nice car and like all these things that people can see and they look really great. But on the inside, we haven't dealt with the things that need to be dealt with. We haven't gone to therapy. We haven't, you know, we're not plugged into a church. We're not plugged into community and we're not dealing with and addressing the deep issues that keep us functioning healthily. And so that's kind of what I liken it to is like a house that's just sort of falling apart on the inside and you're just addressing like cosmetic things on the outside. And it's like, well, guess what? It's it's a powder keg and this is going to eventually blow and we're going to need to deal with this. Um, Yeah. Well, and that's where the freedom is found too. Yes. Addressing that. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, you know, at what point did you realize, and I don't know, you know, was it quickly? Was it not quickly? Was it, you know, I don't even, and I don't know if timeline really matters, but at what point kind of in your healing journey, did you really, was there like a light bulb moment where you were like, I'm going to reclaim my, like, I'm reclaiming my life now. Like, this is not going to hold power over me anymore. Uh, Well, it definitely didn't magically happen over (laughs) one day. (laughs) So Uh, Maybe for some people it does. For me, it did not. And it's kind of a multi-step process over, I mean, what, it's been 10 years now and still like, I'm still finding freedom in in areas and healing and and stuff like that. But I'd say, you know, after a couple of years or so, I told myself that I could, you know, I deserved a a good man in a relationship again. And if Mm. that was something that was for my life, that I could have that. Yeah. Um, And I deserved that, you know. After another couple of years after that is when I got approached about writing. And even and so I started my writing journey about five years ago now. Mm-hmm. And even a couple of years into that journey, you know, I got close to the end of my second book. And I'm just like, why am I the one that has to say this? Like, you know, so even just doubting my own ability to to bring this message to the world. So, you know, there's healing there, right? Right. You know, it was it honestly shocked me because it was like, like I said, I was pretty open about my story very early on. And I was like, you know, writing my story in my book. And I'm like, this is a story I've told. I don't know how many times I should be able to write it in my book, but I couldn't, I couldn't even think about it without crying. Like I wasn't even actually writing. I just couldn't even think about it. And I just sit there bawling and I'm like, Mm. why am I such a mess? Mm. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't make any sense. I've told this story, but really it was about, it, it was a control issue. It's like when I'm sharing my story and certain groups of people, you know, you can, you know, share with discretion based on the group itself. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, 
Yeah. But when you write it, it's just like, it's out there and it's for the world to see and Mm. anybody can buy my book and anybody can read what happened. And that was an act of surrender that I didn't know that I wasn't ready for, but, um, there was definitely healing in that too. Right. Cause it was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, God is the one that's using my story. It's not my job to be able to say it right or whatever. I just have to be like willing and able to just serve. That's what God wants us to do really is just, yeah, he wants us to follow him, right? It's not me doing the work. It's him working through me. So yeah, long story short, there's multiple like, I don't know, seasons of healing that I've gone through and yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's the story that so many people have felt is just, and I, I like that you said just like there's like seasons of healing and sometimes, you know, things are going really well and sometimes things are really difficult. But I think being honest about where you are in that journey um, is also key and getting help where you need help and seeking, um, you know, counseling, uh, getting plugged into your church, all those kinds of things are just uh, so important. If somebody listening, obviously, you know, we're going to, for the listeners, we will have uh, links to your books in the show notes and all that kind of stuff. But if there's somebody listening who has experienced uh, assault, sexual assault, um, abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, and they you know, maybe you're listening and and hearing you kind of share your journey has maybe ignited something within them um, to get help. What advice would you give to somebody who maybe has has not sought help before? One, you're worth being helped, like something that tells you you don't deserve, like, you know, help from someone is a lie, Hmm. right? You're not a burden. You know, a lot of people I feel like have that fear of like, I'm too much for someone if they share, like they know everything that I've gone through and they're not going to want to deal with me and they're going to leave me and um, the right people won't. (laughs) So some people might, and you know, there's some pretty, you know, I've had those people myself. Right. But the right people stayed and the right people helped. And, you know, those people are more than probably we give credit for. Right. (laughs) I think we just place these, uh, stigmas on, you know, how much people are actually willing to, to help. So mm. don't assume uh, that they're not going to help you. And um, there's also, there's so many resources out there. Like this is something I, I was completely unaware of in my own healing journey, but I mean, every state out there has a coalition against sexual assault. They're connected with the community. They know there's countless, you know, organizations out there who are working with survivors and want to help too. So even if it's not just like a personal friend, like reach out to those organizations and find out like where you can go. Mm. Um, Yeah. So good. That's such great advice. And um, I will make sure also in the show notes to include links um, for how to get connected with uh, some of those support groups, you know, but again, realizing that you are worthy of needing help um, or worthy of receiving help uh, is so, 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 so important. Um, Emily, what is sort of on the horizon for you? I know that uh, now that you've kind of put this uh, latest book out into the world and you're um, just 
allow your, you know, just being so obedient to what God is calling you to do, um, and helping others heal in their own journeys. Um, what's on the horizon for you, you know, here in the fall and going into the winter and into 2022? Yeah, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything that's going on. I'm very much in a, <laughs> so I am writing the third book. So that's going on. And I'm doing that here and there in the evenings. Um, so volume three to come in the, you know, g- give me a year or so. <laughs> I am writing that, um, you know, and looking definitely to get more involved in in speaking to communities of survivors. Um, yeah had the honor of speaking at a couple of them last month. And really that's just where I feel God has called me the most to speak to. And um, I'm happy to be a resource in that community. And I don't completely know where it's going to go, but I'm excited to see how the path unfolds. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Emily, uh, now is the portion of the show where we transition just a little bit before we go uh, to ask just some fun, get to know you questions. Um, So Emily, are you ready for the get to know you round? I'm ready. All right. Question number one, what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, gosh. In what aspect? It could be like, I mean, it could be food, could be like a show or, you you know. Yeah. I'm not a big TV watcher, so that's not a guilty pleasure area for me. Like, I am so pop culturally illiterate; it's not even funny. <laughs> so it could be like um, a, it could be like a food or something like that. A food? Um, I'm kind of a sucker for chicken wings, I guess. Is oh yes. Do you have yeah. like a flavor of choice, or are you just like any chicken wings? You know, I like to think I have somewhat of a tolerance for spice, so we can go you know, crank it up a little bit on the buffalo sauce. I'm not a barbecue fan, so I would go against that. I but. like uh, I like it. Crank it up with the buffalo <laughs> sauce. Now, are you a blue cheese or a ranch person? Blue cheese. Blue cheese. All right. Yeah. Blue cheese with your chicken I'm, wings. I'm from Ohio and ranch is huge in Ohio, but I never really bought onto that train. <laughs> they like dip ranch in their pizza and all kinds of things. I don't do that. I love it. I love it. Um, I actually <laughs> like my pizza with ranch, so <laughs> don't. Don't judge me. It's fine. Um, Okay. Speaking of don't judge me, what would you do differently? Maybe like for a living or, you know, as a, like, I don't know, like something like with your, if you wanted to like dye your hair purple, I don't know. What would you do differently in your life if you knew no one was going to judge you? Wow. I don't know if I would do much differently. So I'm not really like super afraid of of judgment from the world. I love it. <laughs> yes, uh, Emily. No. Yeah. Um, that's not really something that, yeah. I don't I'm know. like, see, for me, like for me, it would be, be like, I would dye my hair pink. Like, I mean, I realize that like I'm a 36 year old woman and I have two children. Like I probably shouldn't dye my hair pink at this stage of my life, but like I probably would. But so like, that's kind of what I think about. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> if I, you know, my bold move with my hair would probably just be shaving it. Oh, I like, yeah, just like get it out. Just it really just stresses gone. me out. Hair in general, <laughs> like I just can't. You can ask my hairstylist. I'm the worst. It's fine. She loves me. It's fine. Yeah, she loves you. It's fine. Right. It's fine. I love it. Okay. What, you know, I know that you said as a child, you weren't super into reading. Has that changed as an adult? <laughs> not really. <laughs> is, 
most of the books I read now, I, I read because I know the person that write it, wrote it. I can't even talk. Uh, <laughs> I know the person that wrote it and I want to support them. Like, because I know, you know, I, I enjoy when people read my books. So, <laughs> so when you're not working, what are you, you know, what do you do that is just that fills your cup? What, you know, obviously I know you said you don't watch TV. We don't love to read. What is it that you do that just like brings you a lot of joy? Um, I'm playing in a softball game later tonight. So I do that a couple nights a week. I love it. Uh, Yeah. And uh, I also am a a youth group leader at the church I go to. So I hang out with the high schoolers a lot. We are just in Philadelphia for a whole week and it was a blast. (laughs) High schoolers are awesome. I love high schoolers. They're very real. And I just appreciate that. Yes. Um, I used to teach high school English. Like I'm sorry. Many years ago. Many years ago. And it's funny because like I look back because I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 36 now, but I was 22 when I started teaching high school English and I looked like I was in high school. And so, but I think back to that, but like, I loved my students. I actually still keep in touch with some of my students. And so, um, I love that, that, you know, just the, yeah, I love the realness. Uh, yeah. If you want like an honest opinion, ask a teenager, they'll tell you. Yeah, It's even better when they like give you a compliment. Cause you know, they're not saying it just because. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, my last question is a question I ask all my guests and that is Emily, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? You know, first and foremost, it's like my purpose is, is given to me by God. Um, and so for me, running my business with purpose is really seeking what it is that God has for me and just being faithful to that that calling, right? So, I mean, writing, any of my advocacy work, anything, pretty much anything I do now is nothing I really truly asked for in my life. It was just kind of, <laughs> you know, what I felt like I was called to do. Um, and so if I lose sight of of God and what he's trying to do in my life, then that purpose kind of goes with it. Right. So it's really just staying in tune with like, all right, is this what you're calling me to do? God, if yes, then I need to go. Um, for me, James is my favorite book in the Bible and faith without action is dead. So I'm a big action person. James Um, is my favorite book too. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, very big on when God's involved, we cannot fail. Like God, only knows how to succeed. And so whether I know what the purpose is or not, that really doesn't matter. Like I'm just called to be faithful. So Mm, I love it. Emily, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for uh, just the advocacy work that you do and how you are just bringing God's light to so many people who so desperately need it. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Yeah, thank you. Friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. Find me on social media. I'm at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast when you're sharing the show with a friend. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to check out the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs, business owners, community leaders who are changing the world. If you are a regular listener of the show, Thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for tuning in week in and week out. 
be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Click that subscribe or follow button. To click that button means you will never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to just leave a review? Would you take a moment to maybe share one of your favorite episodes with a friend? Leaving a review, sharing the show with a friend. It is totally free for you and it is the biggest help for me in the entire world. You have no idea how much I appreciate it. It just also helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. As always, this show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>